Well, welcome to the Speak With People podcast. My name is Jason Reitz. I'm so excited that you are joining us today. This podcast exists because we know that our words matter and healthy communication is oxygen to our relationships and our leadership. So whether you communicate one-on-one, on a team, from a stage, or like I am right now, from behind a camera or a microphone, we really believe that when you uh, take up the, the, the challenge to be a healthy communicator, your world will change. So today we're so excited uh, for our guest to be joining us. 2023 has already been such a great year for our podcast, and we're just amazed at the unbelievable quality and leadership uh, just of our guests uh, so far. And so we are so excited to have an incredible leader and communicator today. Uh, just to give you a little bit about him before he hops in, he's an incredible leader, business owner, entrepreneur, church planner, pastor, uh, husband, dad, uh, has just done so much. I met him last fall as we were getting our speakers conference ready, and, and we're really honored that he's a part uh, of that conference to be a speaker as well. So just want to go ahead and welcome Jason Burns to the podcast. Jason, thanks so much for being a part today. Oh, so excited to be here. Thank you for that kind introduction. I will make sure to send this to my mom. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll have our producer cut a little segment and you can just text it to her. (laughs) Absolutely. Look what you did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, before we jump into some of the content, could you just give us, you know, in your words, a little background into your story, who you are, where you come from, what you do, all that kind of stuff. Sure. Well, my wife and I live in Lakeland, Florida, which is right between Orlando and Tampa. Three amazing kids. Uh, One of the great joys of my life is being a dad. I just love my kids so much. Um, We pastor an incredible church in Lakeland called Access Church. Started in my living room 15 years ago, and it's grown to a few thousand people that call it their church, which is so fun. Um, In the middle of all of that, also started a company that helps churches called Radiant Printing. And we serve several thousand churches Mm. across the country every year, have an amazing team there. And then um, in my spare time, I'm a huge Dallas Cowboys fan. I'm a steak connoisseur. Um, that's that's about it. That's me. Wow. So Monday night, kind of a big night then. Monday's a huge night. And it's particularly big, not just because Cowboys Bucks and, you know, I'm a Cowboys fan. Yep. It's particularly big because every Sunday when I close out my services, I pray. And then at the end, I throw in a fun little, you know, and God help the Cowboys win tonight kind of a thing. (laughs) And um, the problem is that works most Sundays. Right. And so I have a full-blown mutiny on my hand. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It could be interesting. It could be interesting what happens. Who knows? Tom Brady may pull it out. A little bit more magic, but who knows? That's the only reason I'm worried. I don't know what it is about him, but he just has our number. (laughs) It seems like he has a few teams' numbers. (laughs) I don't know. I I can't figure it out, but we'll see. Well, you have started and led multiple organizations, like you talked about, Radiant and Access. Take us back. Like, what was it like starting two organizations from scratch? I'm a former church planner, got it off the ground. Now I've started, you know, a little little small business called Speak With People. But I'm just always fascinated with people who think of starting something and then they stick with it. And you have led them for, I mean, many years now. So I'm just curious. What was it like? Were you ever close to giving up? Well, I'd just love to go back into that journey a little bit. Yeah. So I think you need to know why you start anything you do. Otherwise you will give up. And so our story is actually rooted in some pain and some tragedy. 
So in 2000, um, I got married in 2004 and it was in the middle of a master's degree program. And as I was going through it, I had the sense that I was going to go be a pastor somewhere. So my heart was go be a youth pastor or a young adult pastor somewhere and climb the corporate ladder and eventually lead my own church someday. In the middle of all that, I was finishing my master's, got married, and six months into marriage, my wife got diagnosed with stage two non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Oh. And so our whole world came to a screeching halt and all the interviews stops and we slowed down. And in the middle of that season, we felt like our hearts towards the city of Lakeland really changed. And we said, we need to do something here for our friends. Now, I think sometimes with dreamers, they never take the first step. And so they have a big right. dream, but they never take the first step. And we didn't know what it looked like. We just knew that we wanted to be obedient. And hmm. so we started a college Bible study for our friends. And um, March 17th, 2007, 15 friends showed up in my living room. And it is amazing to see what's happened with it. Now, you asked the question, though, did you ever feel like giving up? So three or four weeks we met in my living room, but it quickly outgrew my living room. We moved to a community center. And our very first night there, um, I had a Nissan Xterra. Um, that old, a rickety old trailer that I bought on Craigslist. And when I say I bought it on Craigslist, when I got there, I found out that the reason it was so cheap is because it wasn't legally roadworthy and the guy had made it himself. And oh. the trailer by itself made my car drive at like a 40 degree angle. It felt like it was just so heavy. And so I'm already frustrated. It's our first night of having services where we were actually going to set up stuff. And so we have this service you know 50 or 60 people showed up i was pretty excited but then comes the work afterwards you know after you get the the release of all that excitement and energy then you still got to do the work and so after the service was over i walked out to my car i pushed the button on my key fob and it looked to me like like it had rained or something because it looked like there were dots of rain all over the glass when i came around the side i found out that someone had smashed in my windows while uh. we were like trying to serve god you know <laughs> In the middle of the service, someone smashed in my windows and stole all kinds of stuff out of my car. Uh, I had this moment of walking outside by myself. If you've ever read the Bible, like the book of Psalms, for example, I love how honest David is. He has these yelling matches at God. And I just I just said, God, you can have this. Like, I'm just done. I really yeah. am. Um, but then we kept showing up. And I really think that there's power in what Eugene Peterson called long obedience in the same direction. Mm keep showing up, keep doing the same thing. You know, like Mark Batterson says, um, start small, think big and, and dream long. Like just have this idea, like it's, it takes a long time. So just work at it, but start, it's going to start small. Yeah. You're going to dream big, but then think long-term. Don't just worry about right now, but that, that's what keeps you going for the long run. Boy, that's so good. I, I love that quote. And <clears throat> as you, as you got to the place where you were getting these things going, you know, part of the reason I wanted to have this conversation, I mean, we could have went like many different angles, uh, cause I just love your experience and where you're coming from, but I also love just how you communicate what you're for. And it's so clear. It, it's, you know, it's, it's so succinct. And so, you know, as you were launching these, your organization, you know, the church and then the business, like, how did you get to the place where you figured that out? You know, what were you going to be about? I loved how you said, you know, start with your why, but then, you know, how did you get to the place where you're like, okay, this is what we're going to be for. So we can kind of have an idea of how we're going to communicate that later. Yeah. You've got to determine your values early on. Mm. And I think a lot of people dream up what they're going to do before they figure out who they're going to be. And that's a big deal. So <laughs> told you this the story of the church so my wife gets cancer um i was out in the middle of a speaking season where i was speaking at camps all over the country 
Um, the day before she was to start her first round of chemo, I flew in early. Um, we, we had, you know, I got home and she was sitting on the couch trembling in fear. They put one of those pick lines in her arm and she wouldn't even move her arm because it just felt so unnatural. Uh, we were scared. We were 23 year old, six months. Newly oh, wow. And I, I held her and we prayed. And I just said this, I said, God, never let me feel, forget how I feel right now. Mm. So someday we have a lot of people coming. May I never forget how I feel right now. And so I think when you remember your why, it's that people are hurting, people are in need, people are walking through things. I got an email right before we started recording this that a member of our church just passed away from mm. cancer. And that's tragic, uh, but yep. it's even more tragic for the family that's left behind. And so, you know, it's those memories. It's like, yes, we've grown and yes, we have some success now, but you have to understand why your company exists in the first place. Wow. Boy, that's so good for you in those early days. Was it a lot of what was in your, your heart? Did you have a team? Was it like a team process? Kind of walk us through that. Well, in the early days of the church, we were just grateful for anyone who had a pulse and showed up, you know? Um, Yes. That you planted a church. We did everything wrong. I had a a expert leader tell me one time that less than 3% of churches that start the way we did actually make it. Wow. And so I do think there's an element of tenacity with it, but we, we had nobody, we had no money. We just had a picture in our heart from, from God of what it could be. And, um, it's really fueled by a conviction of what should be. We have all these friends who say they love God, but have no connection to church whatsoever. Something needs to be done about that. Wow. Wow. That's so good. What do you think stops people from, you know, I mean, I, I know some, I know so many people personally, and there've been seasons in my life where I'm like, okay, I've got to do something about this problem. I've got to do something about this, but you know, I didn't take the step or I know people who didn't take the step. What do you think are some of the, the big things that just stop people from taking the step to for, pursue that or to live out that vision? Yeah, it's perfect timing for me. I literally on last Sunday started a message series at my church called Dream Year. And I said, <laughs> most people live between two fears. They live between the fear of failure and the fear of insignificance. Fear of failure asks the question, what will happen if I try? And we play out every worst case scenario, what it's going to cost me, my yep. reputation, my money, my comfort. Um, Mark Twain said, and I paraphrase, something like, I've lived through many worst case scenarios, some of which actually happened. Like most <laughs> of us, we imagine the worst case scenarios. And when you do that, you pay for it twice. The truth is, if you try something and fail, what it will actually cost you is so far less significant than what you think it will be. Mm. Maybe a little bit of a cutback of a season. It may be you go from a two car household to a one car household for a season, yep. but I would rather give my life to doing something that matters and try than to not try. I read a book some years ago called die empty. And in the mm. book, the author said he was at a conference in South Africa and the speaker asked the question, he said, what is the most expensive piece of property in the world? You might think Hawaii where there's scarce property or Manhattan, but he said, it's actually every cemetery you pass because six feet under the ground lie the dreams of every book that was never written, every song that was never sung, every business that was never started. Yep. So there's the fear of failure on the other extreme is the fear of insignificance and the fear of insignificance asks what will happen if I don't try. Right. And if you want your life to matter, if you want to make a difference, if I like to say it like this. If you want to go to bed every night feeling like that's how you live a life and that's how you live a day, yep. 
you have to discover why you were made and then you have to have the courage to take a step of faith and try. Wow. Boy, I, excuse me. I love that. I just, just that image that you just painted for us, you know, to lay down at night and go, okay, that's how you live a day. Like I, man, I resonate with that. And that is, boy, that is quite a, an an incredible picture and just a great, that'd be a great story to tell. I love that. So let's switch over for a second. So where a part of the journey, did you start the, the church first or did you start the business first? There's not a clear cut answer to that because I started the church in 2007, but I started the the journey towards radiant printing uh, as a graphic designer when I was probably 16 or 17 and had a primitive version of Adobe Photoshop and just tinkered with it until I got good at it. Wow. You know, one of the things sometimes people ask is like, how do you know what you should do with your life? And it's like, follow your curiosity. Mm. And I was so curious about graphic design and I always felt like I had an eye for like what fonts and colors and pictures went together and I was always good at it. Well, then the reason for radiant printing is it took something that was my curiosity, good design and a heart for excellence. And it married it with my love for the local church. And so radiant printing is a full service printing and design agency that really, and we can work with anybody, but our specialty is churches. And what I believe helped cause it to catch traction and go so quickly is, you know, it was an area that I had some expertise. I'd spent so many years designing in the print field. And then secondly, it married itself with an area of my own giftedness and connectedness, which is the local church. Wow. Wow. I love that. Do you, do you attribute those for, you know, why you've been able to be open all of these years. I mean, there are so many, you know, small businesses that start so many don't make it past year three or five. I mean, here you are, you know, employees, a team later, you've served all these thousands of churches, you know, do you attribute it to to those? Is that why it's kind of fueled it? Are there some other, you know, I know we have other, you know, business owners, small business owners, people dreaming about owning a small business someday, you know, are there any you know, tips that you can give us that you've learned along the way that have helped you with this longevity, you know, of helping so many people with your business? It's a great question. I I think one of my personal values is I want to help my friends win. Hmm. And when you take that principle, it applies to every part of your life. But when I applied it to radiant printing, what it was, churches have the greatest mission on earth, in my humble opinion. And because of that, the excellence level should be unparalleled. And so because of that, like I took the values that I have of helping my friends win, and then I paired it with an, uh, an experience factor that I was able to bring to the table. And then I also think that part of what helped it to succeed early on was the credibility that I brought. So even in the early days before our church even had a couple hundred people, I could say to every pastor who called me, look, I pastor a church that doesn't own a building. All of our stuff goes in the back of a big box truck every single week and we set it up and tear it down and it looks good every single week. So I feel like I had excellence. I had credibility and trust factored in. Um, I had a camaraderie. Like I'm like, I'm in the game with you too. You know, I'm, I'm a pastor as well. And so all those things together, I think are what helped me get going well. What I think has sustained Radiant Printing and why it hasn't imploded like a lot of other organizations is we fight hard for culture. Like culture is everything. And the culture of our organization at Radiant Printing, really the culture of our church first is like, we're gonna take care of our team first. 
that's important because if the team is healthy, if the team is happy, if the team is loving what they do, excellence will be the outflow. So that's number one. Number two is we really do want to help our churches and our customers win. Yeah. Like if they have the greatest mission on earth, then let's make it as easy as possible. And yeah. so incredible people, I only hire incredible people. I, I like to joke that I'm not the best leader. I'd like to joke that I'm not the most, the, I'm not the smartest person in every room that I enter. But what, the one thing I've done really well is I've assembled a really, really good team and I've leveraged my life open-handedly to try to honor them as best I can. And then the results speak for themselves. Ah. Uh. I love that. I, I love that. <clears throat> the culture piece is so incredibly huge. I remember years ago, I um, I never finished, but I was working on an MBA, so I'm an MBA dropout, and we had a whole class on leadership. And you know, our textbook that semester was Primal Leadership by Daniel Goleman, and he just goes into this all this research about for years the American workforce, you know, bosses and companies led out of fear and control and abuse and authoritative way. And productivity was actually way down. People were always afraid. But if you tapped into people's positive emotions and you created a culture where they actually wanted to be, everything went through the roof. And when we put our emphasis into that culture, I mean, you're, you're so right. I mean, and inspiring. Everything changes with that. It's just incredible. Yeah. It, so I didn't always get it right, though. Like I like to tell the story. Yeah. Some years ago, there was a day when I drove to the church office got there early. There was, I got to the parking lot and there was already a few employees cars there. And when I got there, I saw their cars and I'll just be honest, my heart sank mm. and I didn't really want to go in. And it's not that they're bad people. They're wonderful people. It's just the culture wasn't right. It right. Was kind of toxic, kind of backstabbing. And so, um, we worked really, really hard to fix it. And now I love the people I work with. Mm. Uh, some people say that, you know, we're a family. Um, I don't, Love that analogy. Uh, I have a friend who says that his team is, he leads like a professional sports team, which is, I don't care what you did for me yesterday, it's tomorrow that counts. And if you can't cut it today or tomorrow, you're cut. And I don't like that either, but I think in the middle is something beautiful, which is we are a family on, on mission. We are a yep. family that's professional. We hold ourselves to a higher standard because we love each other. Yep. Yep. Boy, that's good. Okay, changing gears just for a second. So, you know, we talked about the organizations. Let's talk about, you know, kind of us individually. You know, each of us has this own responsibility to communicate our story, to communicate our purpose, you know, and kind of put it in marketing words, our brand. Um, but each of us have been, you know, gifted and created with different passions, gifts. Some call it our niche. Some call it our passion in life. Some call it, you know, what's what's your brand. Can you give us any insight or walk us through any leadership on how we can figure out, you know, okay, like, really, I, I have something to offer? No, no, that person does, that person does, they have more Instagram followers or whatever. Any any insight you can just kind of give us to go, no, no, this is how you can start to figure out your personal purpose and insight. And, you know, I use the word brand, but, you know, it's really our, our purpose. Yeah, well, let me jump off that word brand because I love that. So yeah. branding is a funny word, especially in design. So if you do graphic design work, people will come to you for like a branding project. And a lot of times what they're asking for is design me a logo. And I get that. But a logo isn't a brand. Mm. A brand is what people think about when they think about you. Wow. Or a brand is what people think about when they think about your company. So when when you think about Nike, the brand isn't the swoosh, the brand for Nike is the feeling you get when you lace up a new pair of Jordans. It's, it's the, I want to be like Mike commercials from when we were kids, like 
branding is what people think about when they think about you. So like my goal, my church has a logo and it's a good logo. That's the icon is on stickers on thousands of cars around our city. But my hope is that when people think about access church, they don't think about the blue arrow. That is our logo. My hope is they think that, man, that's that church that paid off one and a half million dollars of deferred medical debt for people in our community. That's wow. the generous church. That, that's the church that's making a difference. That's the church yep. that meeting needs like that. There's something I hope people feel when yep. they think about it. And I have this belief that most people aren't intuitively thinkers first. We're feelers first. Uh. So, so I said that to say, how do people feel when they think of you? That's yep. the most important question you can ask if you want to build a personal brand. And the reason I say that is if you're not already naturally creating the feelings you want from people, you have to start there. The next wow. question is, what are your values? Because you should always work backwards from your values. So um, my wife just got back from attending her grandmother's funeral a couple weeks ago. And her grandmother was this larger than life, wonderful person, big personality. Um, mm -hmm. And as I was watching the funeral online, I, I thought to myself, I wish everybody could get a funeral before they die. Mm. And the reason is, I wish you could know all the things people think about you and yes. the ways people love you. And if you think with the end in mind and you work backwards, what are the things you want to be known for? So in my family, we literally like we codified this. We, we have a we have a personal um, what is it called? A, like an emblem drawn for our family, like a like a coat of arms for our family. Wow. And the Burns family, if you're going to be a part of the Burns family, we're going to be we're going to be people of honor. We're going to be people of love and we're mm. going to be irrationally generous. These are our three things. And so my hope is, is that if you get to know me, you're going to be like, man, that guy is honoring not just of me, but of everyone that that love just flows freely from him. And then I want to live open handedly. I want to be the most generous people that I know. So now when you know that, then you work backwards. And what I found is, is a lot of people spend so much time focused on, well, what do I do? What do I do with my life instead of figuring out who do I want to become? Um, from a Christian standpoint, from a pastor standpoint, I think that when you figure out that, and then when you pair it with this idea that uniquely woven into the tapestry of how God made you are giftings and talents and abilities. And when those giftings and talents pair with your curiosities and then your personal values, yes, what you want to do with your life will find you. It's, mm. it's so easy. So like in my life, I love the Lord with all of my heart. I really do. Um, I have a desire to help people grow, to take a next step closer to God. And then, and then because of that, like, I'm always going to put people first. So if you come to my church, what you're going to find is an incredibly welcoming, unbelievably irrationally generous group of people mm. who are all in process trying to grow together. Like it flows from how God wired me. It flows from my giftings and it flows from my curiosity. Wow. Boy, that's good. Boy, that's good. <clears throat> yeah, I was listening to Rory Vaden the other day. He's a motivational speaker, uh, does a lot of coaching, but now he has a, a business where he just helps individuals figure out their brand. And it's just fascinating as I listen to that podcast and then now I'm listening to you, you know, talk about that. How many people would be able to take such amazing steps forward in their own life if they if they realized that they did have that kind of purpose, they did have their own brand, and then they they ran towards that. You know, you talked about, you know, the funeral idea. 
was reading Donald Miller's book Hero on a Mission, and he has a, a daily plan where you know he wrote his eulogy because he's like I I want to. I want to write out, you know, the type of thing that I want people to, you know, I want to live that kind of life for people. I've officiated so many funerals and the one that sticks out is the, the moment where I walked up to these two teenage boys, they were probably 17 and 18. And I said, okay, your mom would like you both to speak, you know, about, about your dad. And they both looked at me and said, we have absolutely nothing good to say about him. We will not do that. And I thought, mm. oh my goodness, I, I don't want to ever be, well, I, you know, when I die, I won't be in that position, but I don't want to ever put my kids in that position, you know? Mm. So one of my, my personal, you know, values is that I, I, you know, I want to be close to my kids. I want to help them in every way. So, I mean, it's just so incredibly powerful. What advice would you give people who want to communicate their brand, communicate their purpose? You know, once they figure it out, are there things that we can do with our life to communicate it and, you know, kind of share it, share it with the world? Yeah, I think, the greatest piece of advice I'd give you is once you figure out what your life is going to be about, spend all of your time communicating what you're for. Oh. So many businesses, companies, individuals, they're railing against what they're against yes. instead of standing up for what they're for. And so the best advice I could give you is like, if you listen to me talk about my church, I'm never going to compare it to a church down the street. No, no. We're irrationally generous. We are the most kind, loving, gracious people. Like all of my language talks about what we're about, not the stuff that we're against. And sure, I could stand on a street corner with a sign holding up the list of sins that personally offend me or, but like yep. that never changes the heart of anyone. The, the world's full of cynics, critics, and haters. The world needs more people who are alive, living out the giftings and talents that God's given to them. Wow. Wow. I absolutely love that. <clears throat> you know, kind of shift in, you know, uh, corners a little bit again. You know, we have, you know, people listening to this on all different kind of places in their leadership. Uh, what's some advice you would give a younger leader or maybe not a younger leader, just someone new to start, you know, starting something? Either they want to plant a church or they want to start a business or they want to start a nonprofit. You know, is there any is there any tips you would give them, you know, to think about before they kind of walk through that process? Yeah. Well, the first one is it takes an irrational amount of courage to pursue the dreams in your heart. And one of the things I love about the Bible, sometimes I think we read things kind of with a cursory view. The Bible is incredibly honest, like all throughout scripture. I heard someone say that the phrase fear not is found 365 times in the Bible. It's like hmm. God knew that you would need it once every single day. Um, fear wow. is the constant companion of every dreamer. And the secret is you have to do it scared. Yeah. You, you just have to take a step of faith and you have to trust and you have to go for it. That That's number one. Um, the, the second thing I think is so important for so many dreamers and the reason I think that um, the thing I think they should work on is not just don't just do it scared, but like be give yourself permission to start small. Like it doesn't have to be a grand slam right away. Like the dream in your heart is like driving towards a mountain. When you're 100 miles away, it looks tiny. The closer you get, the more you see it with clarity, the more mm. you see it with confidence. And so, yeah, so just, just take a step, just, just try it. Like failure is the best lesson you can learn. So what's the harm in trying? Wow. That's so good. Are there any habits that you kind of employ in your daily life? Um, Vanessa Van Edwards, who's written a couple of great books, Q's being one of them just about, you know, her company, the science of people, but she talks about how we have like these gremlins, you know, probably a person of faith would say, well, it's, you know, the enemy <laughs> lying to mm -hmm. us. 
But yeah. these gremlins or the enemy's voice who are just trying, you know, who's pl- planning all that fear in our in our lives. Do you have any uh, daily habits that you employ that you think maybe help suppress some of those voices, those negative voices, you know, those gremlins, all of that kind of stuff? Yeah, so I'll give you a spiritual answer, and then I'll give you a practical answer. <laughs> a spiritual answer is I have to know where my confidence comes from. Yeah. Like, it's not self-confidence. Self-confidence is a myth. I I actually have an idea for a book called Holy Confidence, mm. because I do think that we're not called to be cocky, but we are called to walk in faith or confidence. But the reason it's holy confidence is the confidence doesn't come from me. The confidence comes from, that's one. But yep. number two, I kind of think that a lot of people make excuses and they'll blame it on, well, I'm, I'm an introvert. Well, I'm this, I'm, I'm not, I'm not extroverted. I'm not courageous. I'm not, well, if you have kids and your kids were kidnapped, what would you do? Mm. You, you wouldn't make excuses. You'd make progress. You, yep. you would do whatever it takes. Like you wouldn't say, well, oh, you got them. I'm an introvert. It is what it is. You would do whatever it takes. And so I think when we remember our why, I think like as a pastor, there are days that I have to come back to that prayer I told you about on the couch. Um, I think that there are times when I can get myself so busy doing stuff instead of remembering why does this even exist? Yeah, that's that. And then on a practical habit, I think that you've got to figure out when are you at your best? So Hmm. for whatever reason, doubt creeps into me at night, but in the morning I have unbelievable quiet I have unbelievable clarity. And for whatever reason, the way I'm wired, if I get up about 4.30, I can get two and a half to three hours work done before my kids even get out of bed. And I can get more done in confidence, not in doubt, um, wow. in quiet before my kids even wake up. Sometimes it's more than I accomplish for the rest of the day. Right. Wow. Boy, that's so good. That's Isn't that amazing? I mean, when you find that sweet spot and then you're able to just tap into that it's uh it's something else i remember years ago when i planted my church and uh, my staff would make fun of me because i'd you know go to bed by 8 30 or whatever because <clears throat> i like you i'm an early riser and they'd make fun of me and i was like hey just just you know so you remember like i've been up since 4 30 and already worked you know <laughs> like mm-hmm. those three and a half extra hours that you were still uh you were still sleeping. Uh, well, the, the secret sauce there is you've got to figure out when you're at your best. Yeah. So when I was starting Radiant Printing, I would real deal work until the wee hours of the night, but I could do that kind of work at 11, 12, 1, 2, 3, yeah. 4, right? But when I did my doctoral program a few years ago, I would try to stay up late and I would stare at a cursor blinking at me and I couldn't write a single word. Hmm. But if I got up at 4.30, I could write 10 to 15 pages before my kids even got out of bed. So figure out when you're at your best and guard that because again, surely doubt will creep in if you're trying to do your best work at your worst possible moments of energy, right? Guard guard your heart, guard your time. Wow. How important is it to surround yourself with people, you know, who believe in you, encourage you, but will then, you know, also, also, also speak the truth. I mean, I feel like we live in this world where, you know, it's well-documented, but we're always looking at someone else's highlight reel. You know, Mm -hmm. I just think about, you know, can the game changer be, you know, those closest people wondered, you know, how they are in your life? Well, I start with this idea that you can only be loved to the extent you're known. And so I think you have to ask the question, who knows you? Like who really knows you? So that person you're comparing yourself with on Instagram, they don't know you. They don't know your struggles. Yep. 
And the truth is, conversely, you don't know them. You know the manicured, edited version of them that they want you to see. Yeah. So I think we become like the four or five people we surround ourselves with the most. Um, and so I think you should be intentional about friends. Um, in the last five years or so, I've gotten intentional, not just about friends. I mean, I'm, I'm blessed. I work with my best friends. Um, that doesn't work for everybody. It works really well for me. Um, but more than that, in the last five years, I've really sought out mentors as well. Mm. And, and I bring ideas to them before. Um, I bring thoughts after a decision was made or after an event was held. And I just ask, help me get better. And yeah. there is something so freeing in that, you know, like we're not perfect. We are in progress and process. So let's, let's surround ourselves with people who only push us forward. Wow. That's so good. That's so good. Well, one of the things that I'm just so honored, you know, that you agreed that you would uh, be a part of the speakers conference in March. And so, you know, our, our new company, we're, we're hosting this event where, you know, really for people who daily are presenting something, they're standing from stages, they're influencing people from behind a camera, like we have to continue growing in our craft, you know, many of us who have a gift of communicating, it will only take us so far. But then, I mean, even like you're talking about with the mentors, like we need people who can speak into our lives to help us level up to go to that, that next level. So we're just so honored that you're joining us in March for, if you could just kind of speak to maybe the listener or the person who's been, you know, kind of thinking about it, do I really need to make this kind of trip or investment or, you know, that kind of time to invest in my, my communication, you know, I'd love any of your thoughts on that, you know, to the person who's thinking about those kind of things. I've heard multiple leaders say that as the leader gets better, everything gets better. And so one of the things we have to decide if you're going to lead anything is I'm a constant student. You know, I, I plan to give the rest of my life serving at my church. And a few years ago, I went back and got my doctoral degree just because I wanted to stretch myself. Wow. I, I wanted what I call the, the gift of disorientation. I, I wanted my brain to hurt a little bit. We need that. And when you're a communicator, you communicate one on one with people, but you also have the ability and no matter how you communicate to communicate to masses of people, your life gets multiplied. And I want a better and better version of my voice to be multiplied over and over and over through whatever channels of influence that I have. Mm. Uh, and so that's the bottom line. And so again, whatever you do in life, if you're a politician, a pastor, a leader, a preacher, whatever you are, you have influence. And mm. so stewarding that influence is a big deal. And so I think conferences like yours are, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited to speak, but I'm honestly more excited to learn because as we learn, as we get better, Everything in our churches, everything in our businesses, everything in our corporations gets better. That's right. That's so good. Well, hey, before we let you go, <clears throat> I thought we'd just ask you a couple rapid fire questions. You know, people Ooh. can kind of keep getting to know you. Fun. So I'll just hit you with a couple. Uh, first one, uh, what's the best vacation location? Best vacation location. Vacation location. That's a lot, a lot to say that you've ever been to. Okay, so I have to delineate. There's three kinds of things. There's there's trips, there's vacations, and then there's adventure. <laughs> uh, a, trip, a trip is when you take your kids. Right. And so the trip was Hawaii. We went this summer with my kids. That was amazing. Wow. Vacation, my wife and I went to Europe. We spent a week in Italy and in Spain. That's a vacation, oh. no kids. And then adventure for my 40th birthday, my wife sent me to Iceland with one of my best friends, and we spent a week there 
climbing um, glaciers and walking <laughs> through volcanoes and standing on black sand beaches. And it was wow. amazing. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. Second question. Uh, if you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? <laughs> rest of my life. <laughs> um, uh, man, a New York strip, medium rare, loaded baked potato. And instead of a vegetable, give me a slice of pizza and then um, banana pudding for desserts. Ah, sounds delightful. Last question. Uh, last year was one of the, the books that kind of, the, the books that you read that kind of stuck out among the most kind of <clears throat> made you think a ton. Okay. Do you want, do you want an honest answer or do you want a good answer for your podcast? <laughs> no, hit us, hit us with the honest answer. Uh, honest, honest answer is after doing my doctoral program where I'd read a stack of books that was like three feet high, <laughs> I struggled to read for fun. I struggled to read yep. for fun. And so what I've started doing is I've started reading more the doctoral way, which is to read through a book quickly to get the information out of it that you can. Yep. And the two people, the two authors that I get the most out of reading that way are Patrick Lencioni. I love his writing. It is yep. so formative. And then um, Simon Sinek. I love oh, yeah. him. And then anything by Malcolm Gladwell. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm a pastor. The Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Got to throw that in there. I love it. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Well, hey, could you tell our listeners, uh, you know, is there a place to find you online or where would you like to direct people to? Yeah, you can find me on social media. My on everything. Uh, my name is at I am Jason Burns. I am Jason Burns. I love that. I love that. Well, Jason, thank you so much. This was such a rich conversation and so appreciate your heart and just how you communicate. You know, I've watched many of your <clears throat> sermons from church and, you know, just appreciate how you communicate, you know, your passion to the world through social media. And so thank you so much for being on the podcast today. What an honor, man. I love what you're doing. Excited to be a part of this first conference and believe the best is still coming for you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, hey, podcast listeners, before you close up and head to the next one, just want to remind you, go to thespeakersconference.com, thespeakersconference.com. You can get all the information uh, for our two and a half days in Clearwater Beach, March 21 to 23. Join Dr. Jason Burns, Albert Tate, Mike Goodwin, April Diaz, myself, other communicators as we dive into how to become a more effective empathetic, captivating communicator, inspire our audience to lean in. Again, we exist because words matter, and we really believe that healthy communication is oxygen for our relationships and leadership. So we really challenge you. We hope that this encouraged you to choose healthy communication in your daily life, because we really know your world will be better. Thanks again, and thanks for joining us next week. <laughs>